moving your career further faster. That's the mission behind Cascading Leadership. Each week, we're bringing you stories of women, immigrants, members of the global majority who have risen to the ranks of senior leadership in the world of business. Get ready to gather the insights of some of the world's best business leaders and apply those to your career. If you're interested in sales and marketing effectiveness, organizational effectiveness, talent strategy, DEI, or HR tech, tune in. We're going to share with you what they don't teach you in business school. Welcome to the show. Previously on Cascading Leadership. What are some of the things that you've seen in terms of the mission and vision of Goodwill and its alignment to the outcomes that you seek to achieve? Every single year, we're putting upwards of 15 to 25,000 people into jobs. So we're connecting them to work through our programs and services. And they're going to work at places like Home Depot. They're going to places like Accenture. They're going to places like Amazon. They're also going to your local mom and pop shop. Maybe it's the pizza place around the corner. Maybe it's the local nursery. Maybe they're a person who's starting or growing their own business and they do cookie dough out of their home. Or maybe they are a crochet artist and they make hats and make handbags. Whatever it is, we are helping those individuals to get to a place where they're answering one of the questions that we all answer every single day and don't even think about it is, what do you do? Who are you with? And when you can answer that and you feel confident in that, that changes the game. And so that's one of the things that appealed to me as coming in from coming in as a journalist and then seeking a role at a nonprofit, particularly at Goodwill, just because I didn't know about the mission when I started. What I knew about Goodwill was that my dad liked to shop there and spent too much money in the store, basically. And, it, and I wanted nothing to do with secondhand buying used stuff coming up as a kid. I was like, I don't know. We gave we, I remember Saturday mornings when we would clean up and my mom would say, hey, we're taking all this extra stuff to Goodwill. We did, we were donors. My dad was a shopper, but I was like, I'm not into that. And then when I found this job and saw what the job description was, I was like, I can absolutely do that. I can transfer these skills. But my, like many of my colleagues at Goodwill, we did not know the gambit of what we do to serve the people that we do. And why it appealed to me was just because, again, it's helping those folks answer that question about what they do, but then also helping them somebody did me, giving me an opportunity to feed my child, to make a living, and to do something that I love. And now the conclusion of our conversation with Elaine Armstrong. And so if you can help and have a mission that does absolutely that, then of course, sign me up. And so I've been there ever since. I've been very fortunate that I've had great leadership who has not only, as you said, poured into me and inspired me and encouraged me to go on with my career, but they cared about me as a person. You know, what I didn't mention in those, in the leaderships that I had, even the one who, the leader that I had who hired me early on when I started was asking me about home ownership. And I was like, I don't make enough money how much I make. I don't make enough money else. And he's like, no, you absolutely can. And you need to, and you should absolutely try to do it. Same thing for the mentor that was our VP of HR. He encouraged me to keep on going in the positions that I had. And just, and we were at one point, we were peers. And so I had made my way up to VP and he was getting ready to retire, but we had ended up spending time together. And he would just encourage me along the way because he saw things and he not only was an advocate, but a cheerleader for me. And so he would open doors and encourage me there. And then the other boss that I had who ended up going on and being the CEO, we talk about caring about my future. He was one of the people who inspired me to start putting money into my 403B. And he was like, hey, are you putting money in here? Yeah, but 
what percentage are you putting in? And I was like, I'm putting it. No, I need you to put X amount. You're not going to miss it. Like they were people who cared about me holistically. And I have a great boss now, totally different leader who came in and has taken our organization to a whole nother level. But I will tell you, I've been very fortunate enough that I've been around leaders who cared about me and gave me the space to grow, but encouraged me. And when I wasn't in the room, whatever they were saying about me was something that allowed me to walk into the door and come into a positive atmosphere after, because I don't know what they said, but apparently whatever they said was good. You said a lot of powerful things and an advocate is someone who speaks for you when you are not in the room that embodies yeah. what an advocate is and i think added value of what you're saying is that it's not the one that mentioned your name in the room and came back and said oh elaine this is what i said about you exactly. because i think that there's something not authentic about that but when the first book in the room and you get that reaction where people are like oh that's her that it was said and it is helping to move you forward so i think that's again talking about this whole idea of advocacy and how important it is i did want to step back a little bit i have a question around when you're talking about the upskilling and there's been this whole conversation around the great resignation and yes. that sort of thing did you all see any sort of uptick in the number of people that were reaching out and on that question i did actually go out and do a little home Homework. And I was absolutely impressed with the idea of the story that was told by the young woman on the website about how she didn't think she could actually do it because she didn't have a background in technology. She developed it and actually is now working at a Fortune 500. Kudos to you and your organization for having that sort of an impact. I will tell you, I'm the storyteller. I'm the marketer. I'm the person who gets to make Goodwill look great. So shout out to my colleagues who are engaging with those folks every single day and helping them make those career choices and getting them on right path. But yes, we have seen over time people coming back and upskilling. Right now, where we are is just like everybody else, right? There are There's a war for talent, literally a war for talent, because people are bringing out in all the stops to do that. So we are seeing fewer people who are walking in the door just seeking our services. But for those who are, they are landing these great quality jobs. Not before, and I've been at Goodwill for, like I said, 16 years, we were putting people to work in jobs that were good jobs. They were great, but it might not have moved them out of poverty. Now we're putting them into jobs, as you said, at Fortune 500 companies where they're starting at $60,000, $70,000, where they may have a couple years back, maybe they would be getting another job because that job either wasn't available or wasn't paying at the rate that it was paying today. And yes, we absolutely have seen people starting to come come in. Fortunately, we offer programs that have stackable credentials. And a lot of times, so whether you're coming in and you're learning how to drive a truck, you want to do transportation and logistics, you may need that CDL. And so we're helping you get that license so that you can go to that next level. Maybe you're going to work in technology, like the story that you saw on the website is probably, Lyric is probably her name. So she came in and didn't have the background in technology and ended up getting the skill sets that we offer there, which includes Salesforce certification, which includes C, which include coding. And these are things that you might not even associate with goodwill because one, why would you? No donations and shopping. So you're not thinking, oh, I'm coming there to get these really great skills that I can turn to get to jobs other places. Yes, we're definitely seeing a shift in that, but it's also interesting to see how the job market is changing and where you can go work at your local grocery store as a cashier for $15 an hour when a couple of years ago, that was not the case. On the other token of that though, 
things are still moving. And stuff is still expensive. So gas right now in Georgia, hey, we're at $4 a gallon. And I'm probably like, at the everybody, $4 a gallon. I would love to have that because my family in California are paying $6, $7 an hour. And so things are getting more expensive. The cost of living is going up. Atlanta happens to be one of the one of the highest places that you're going to pay for transportation, not only because we're so spread out and tra- our public transportation doesn't go everywhere, but then you're talking about cost of housing and cost of living. And so absolutely, we're still having to keep up. We're still having to keep up to find those jobs and make sure people aren't just leaving us and getting a job and being another part of the working poor. We want to get them to that they can be prosperous and working to get them from poverty to prosperity. You talked about some of the challenges that individuals are having. I wanted you to talk about what are some of the challenges for nonprofits and Goodwill in particular, and what are some of the ways that you think or that you've heard or you've discussed might be solutions to help continue the success of Goodwill and other yeah. NPOs. I'm going to tell you, for, I'm being a little selfish here. For Goodwill, we need you to donate. We need you to shop. That is it. That's what makes our flywheel turn. If we do not have donations and we don't have people coming in to, to buy those donations, we cannot run these mission-based programs. That is truly our main funding source for that. We get some funding sources from other places, philanthropy, some grants, but by and large, the bulk of it is coming from the sales from those stores. Absolutely. That's one of the challenges that nonprofits face. So you think about it, the nonprofit landscape is so wide. And if you think about your life and there's a there's a leader who, and I can't take credit for this because I, she's a nonprofit leader that's in our community that's a center for other nonprofits. But the way that she broke it down was so interesting to me about how we live our lives in nonprofits, but you don't think, and you may not even give to all of them. So think about where you go to church. It's a nonprofit. Think about your local hospital. If you go in a car accident, it's probably a nonprofit. Makes a lot of money probably, but it's probably a nonprofit, right? Maybe you go to your, if your kids went to the library, library's changed. I know a lot, but you just think about maybe your library is that whether your college, nonprofit, you think about all of these places that you engage with, there's nonprofit there. But think about the people who in your community, maybe you see that maybe your homeless population in your city is very visible and maybe it isn't. There's a nonprofit or two or five that are serving those individuals who need those services. Or you think about people who need childcare assistance. There's probably a nonprofit that's serving that. Think about your kids who are coming after school. There's after school programs that are serving individuals who need those services, but they probably are a nonprofit. There's so many. And so one of the challenges is that obviously funding becomes a huge challenge for nonprofits. And then when you think about the staff and you think the Fortune 500s of the world, and you think about how I described how I came into my role, I was one, I was a team of one. Now I have a team of eight who report to me, but I was a team of one. And eight is still small for you talking about marketing communications for the entire organization. Obviously we don't, we're not a billion dollar organization, but we're a couple over a hundred million. And so when you think about the number of people and the number of roles, that's small. And so nonprofits, we're fortunate. I'm actually, I find myself very fortunate that I have the team that I have because there are a lot of nonprofits who don't have a single marketing person or their marketing person happens to be the development person and also the HR person. And so they have their hands full and they're juggling so many different things. 
And I feel like that's also, it's an opportunity, obviously, I think for development for that one person, because they gain skills and other things, but then you become a jack of all trades and a master of none. And you can't really focus on one thing because you're focused on so many varied things. And that becomes a challenge as well. Not having the, I don't have a Coca-Cola budget, but I do have a healthier one than my, than some of my nonprofit peers to go out and place advertising and get the messaging. I happen to have a journalism background. One of the things that I brought to the table was learning how and learning what a story that would be of interest to a journalist might look like, might sound like, might be able to be shot. And so if somebody else may not have that opportunity, and so we're able to get positive media cover in some cases where I'm able to say, hey, wait a minute, I recognize this. Would I go after that if I was doing that story? Probably not. Maybe we should do it like this. So I bring that level of expertise to my role. But then I've also learned to train my team to be able to think like that as well. So storytelling is huge. A lot of nonprofits, particularly those smaller ones, the storyteller, the main storyteller is the CEO. And then they got everything else, (laughs) the president or founder, and they got all the other things that they're worrying about. They're trying to operate the business, but then also get the story out about the nonprofit because getting people to understand what you do and who you serve and how effective you are is very important because that becomes the way that you get your funding a lot of times. And so it is tough for a lot of nonprofits, but if you took away every nonprofit, just think about the story I said, we all live our lives through nonprofits, but if you took away those and maybe you're not thinking about, oh, okay, I could do some of the things that I do at a nonprofit at home. Maybe I don't need to go to the library. Yeah, I could probably get an education online. Maybe I could do church online. So maybe you didn't actually have to physically go. But if you think about if you took all the nonprofits away in society or even half or even a quarter of them, Who's serving those people who still need the services? Not the government only can do so much. Who's serving those folks who are outside who need a home or food or shelter or clothing or childcare or healthcare or mental health services? Who's doing that if it's not nonprofits? Nobody. The reality is that so many of us can be impacted by food insecurity, housing insecurity, any number of dynamics can put us in that position. And it's a reason why they're so important. And I hope that corporations, we've talked on a couple of previous episodes about the need for corporations to have more of an impact around their sustainability and this ability for us to be able to acquiesce between nonprofit and corporations and for-profit corporations in order to help create more sound and established communities because there we now live where we work oftentimes mm-hmm. and there has to be that synergistic kind of relationship. The other question that I wanted to ask you was around diversity and equity inclusion is a slant of our show. What role does that play and what's the importance for you? I don't have purview over that, thankfully, because I feel one, I got enough on my hands with marketing communication. So hats off to people who are playing multiple roles. But we do have a great DI officer who is at the organization. But I will say the role that it plays for me, obviously, I am a person of color. I am also a female. I am also relatively young when I look at my peers on the executive team. And that comes with a whole lot of a whole lot of things that you can fill in the blank, whatever you can think of that comes with a lot of things. So I definitely understand and try to remain cognizant of the fact that I am in the position that I have not only to support the organization, but also 
in some sense, blazing a trail and being an example and also being a, an advocate, just like I had those advocates for me, being an advocate for others who are coming behind me because they will come. We just need to make sure that we are setting, taking space and making space for them at the table. And so I feel like that is one of the things when I talk about me personally, but also when it comes to the organization, we are in Atlanta. So we do have a, we're, we have a very diverse in terms of African-Americans that we, and so we happen to be one of the, or if not the, I think we're still the goodwill of all the goodwill serving the most African-Americans and help placing them into high wage jobs out of our goodwill network. So we're very proud of that. I happen to report to a president and CEO who is an African-American man. So that helps out. Our executive team is intentionally very diverse. So we not only have, let's see, half of us are female on our executive team. We have two African-Americans. We have a uh, Hispanic Latino female. We also happen to have at least one member of the LGBTQ community. But when you talk about the executive staff and those who support, we even have even more. And so it's not lost on me that we have a very diverse workforce in terms of our leadership but then also workforce in terms of our team members. And so at one point we had surveyed, probably we had about 40 different languages that were spoken amongst our workforce. Where diversity, like many other companies, is a value and it's a value statement, but a lot of people put it somewhere and it's on a shelf or it's on a website. We actively are pouring into that. We we have that are in the organization. They're just taking off. I feel like we, I will say we, have been recognized. We've gotten honors about our diversity and inclusion in the organization, but there's so much more we can do. I like, I'm not, for me, it's not enough that we have a very diverse workforce and that we have a very diverse leadership. What are we doing with that? How are we moving the needle on that? We have great leadership and you think of visual diversity or what you can put down on a piece of paper. Absolutely. But how are we making sure that people who want to move up are getting those opportunities? Or how are we making sure that we as an organization, when we are purchasing, we're purchasing from diverse vendors and not just, hey, we're going to put this percentage, but no, really, we're going to seek you out. And we're going to say, hey, we want you to apply for this. That's very different than just waiting for people to come to you. I will say it's important because we place importance of it on it as an organization. But for me, it's been part of why I got to the position I am today. So it's important for me to continue to press, to ask questions, and then to also even in my role, but then outside of that and where I serve, and I serve on a number of different boards, ensuring that those organizations are also looking at and focusing on diversity too and asking the questions. Because sometimes it generally is, let me ask this question. One of the one of the boards I sit on just recently, we were bringing on a newer board members. And it's just a simple question. I'm not on the board development committee, but I wanted to know why are we selecting this individual? What is he bringing to do whatever the diversity or to what we need? Or just give me the background rather than saying, hey, you all have checked him out. Great. I'm sure he's a great individual to add to what we need on board diversity, but it can't just always be about fundraising. What else? What do we feel like he's bringing to the table? And so just sometimes asking the question and I got a great answer, but sometimes you may not get a great answer. And so someone needs to ask the question sometimes because it gets people thinking. And for those people who genuinely want to move a needle, they're going to be 
they're going to be glad that you asked the question. For those who are not, then you may get an opposite, but at least you've asked the question and somebody else in the room heard it. And I think sometimes too, that also can help things move forward because not only are they thinking, oh, wait a minute, I never thought about that, but why didn't I ask that question too? It makes absolute sense. And I think that, like I said, you had mentioned it, you had mentioned it earlier, was this overall community impact and how important that is as well. I know that we had talked about before the show started about some hacks. And as we come to a close, I'm curious to to hear what at least two or three of those hacks would be for our listeners. We are a show that is predicated on helping to move your career further faster. And so what are those for the audience to hear? I can't do any interview or presentation without talking about LeBron James. I'm such a LeBron fan. I always find a way to work him in. I'm a big NBA fan, but I will tell you I'm a LeBron fan. And what I, what one of the hacks that I always use and tell people that is related to him is you got to do PR for yourself. If somebody else, some, one of those leaders that I talked about earlier had told me that he's like, you're terrible at doing PR but for yourself. You're great at doing it for the organization. You're not great at doing it for yourself. You need to tell the story of your journey, of what your skills you're bringing to the table and not just saying, hey, these are my accomplishments when you get to your annual review. That's great. You should always have that. And you should always do that, but you need to be telling the story consistently throughout the year. So I say, figure out a way that you can be your best public relations agent. I tell people all the time, people probably weren't saying before LeBron said, hey, I am the this, I'm the GOAT. There were, there's still arguments about who's the GOAT, but people get on him and say, oh, he's arrogant. He's saying that he's the best. If you don't believe it for yourself, who else is going to believe it? If he said, oh, I'm the number two guy, who's going to say, oh yeah, I'm the second best ever to do this? Nobody. I'm the third best. People aren't doing that. You got to believe and you got to, and you got to tell that story. And so I feel like that's one thing that I would tell people, particularly for females. I find that we often are not telling and being our best PR agents. And we have got to do that. That comes with storytelling. That comes with having the facts to back it up. So you're not just puffing yourself up, but you got the facts to back it up and make sure you do that. I would also say one of the other things, again, I talked about being and telling the story about me being a single mom and stepping into my courage and vulnerability. That's something that in the last, I would say year particular, but in the last couple of years, I've really been embracing. And courage is contagious. I tell people like, I've been telling my story and I feel like others are resonating with that even more so than any of the other I've been sharing and any of the other leadership tips. So I would definitely say tap into your humility. And we could all use a ton of that right now, but people love and just are attracted to that, particularly when you're in a leadership role, because people want to see that you're human too. Oh, I I made, my life wasn't perfect. This is where I came from. And not just telling the story of how you got there, but telling the story of why, why it might be hard for you to tell that story. Because I think that was part of what I might've been missing in the equation is telling people, Hey, I had a daughter at a young age, blah, blah, blah. But it was hard for me to tell people that because this. And I think that resonates with people who are hearing that. And then the other thing I would say is just thinking through, I don't know who said it first, but I picked this up recently, is that fear is a reaction, but courage is a decision. So you got to decide. You you have to make a decision, whether that's speaking up, whether that's going after a job, whether that's going after development opportunity, whether that's leaving your job and going somewhere else. Fear is you reacting to something. And it may be something that's there or not, but 
if you have courage, you're making a decision to act in one way or another. And you've got to make that decision. And part of being a great leader and part of progressing your career is knowing when to make a decision and being a good decision maker. Make that decision for yourself before somebody else. When I first heard the false evidence appearing real fear that came from Hill Harper when I had met him many years ago at a corporate event, but I think I resonate with that as well. And hopefully our listeners do too. Elaine, I appreciate you being on the show. If you could tell us where can people connect with you, reach out if they want to learn more about you and Goodwill. I appreciate your time and appreciate you all for giving me the opportunity. People can find me. Elaine Armstrong is pretty much aware on all the social. I wasn't creative enough and all the creativity and all the stuff that I do to come up with a new fun screen name. So I am Elaine Armstrong on all of my social media. So you can find me there on the Instagram. And if you want to connect with me there, I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. And I will say that's the one platform that I need to do better on. So do so connect with me on LinkedIn. <laughs> I want to get better on LinkedIn, but I am also Goodwill of North Georgia. So we are on pretty much every social media you can think of. Please follow us, like, share content. We also, our CEO also is on social media as well. So his name is Keith Parker. He's CEO Goodwill in on some of his platforms. But if you'd like to follow him there, we're also ensuring that we're telling his story and he's telling his leadership story on there. He has some great leadership tips that my team is working on and sharing about his journey on LinkedIn. And so that may be of interest for folks who want to follow him as a leader, but that's where folks can find me. Good goodwillng.org is our website if you'd like to go on and learn a little bit more about Goodwill or just tell somebody else about it. But if you do nothing else, please donate and shop at wherever your local Goodwill is because you might have said, hey, that is helping me clear out the closet. I no longer need it or could fit these jeans or I no longer needed these books that I read. That's great. Someone else can use them. So you're keeping things out of your local landfill, but also you're supporting people going to work, getting a job, getting a better job or getting a career. So you know what? Please think about that the next time you're going through your closet or your home and you've got things to donate. Awesome. Thank you. And for everyone joining us today, as you you can catch us on Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, and YouTube, which are social media. And we look forward to getting your feedback about this and every episode on Cascading Leadership, the show. Thank you so much again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cascading Leadership. We hope you enjoyed the story as much as we did. Make sure you subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on YouTube, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reach out to me at jim at cascadingleadership.com. Tune in next time for another great episode that will help you move your career further faster.